you found the Digging Oak Island podcast, the podcaster's journey to discover the truth behind the Oak Island mystery. I'm Dave McBride. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. If you have been listening to and enjoying our podcast, please help out the show by leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, we invite you to join us on Twitter and Facebook. You can follow the show at Digging Oak Island. Okay, everybody, this week's podcast features an interview I recorded this past week with writer Dylan Taylor Lehman. He is the author of an article in the current issue of Popular Mechanics magazine called The Real Story of Oak Island's Legendary Money Pit. But before we get to that, I want to remind you that I am looking for your thoughts on Season 8 of The Curse of Oak Island. Uh, for a future podcast, what you might be looking forward to for season nine. We're all going to do this on our next podcast where we do a little wrap up of the season before we kind of head into a little short summer break here so that I can do some research on some um, off-season summer shows. Uh, I've gotten a few already, but folks, we need more, okay? We need to hear what you guys, you the viewers, the fans of the Curse of Oak Island thought of this past season. It was controversial, and if you follow the social media platforms and all the different uh, groups and such, you realize that, yeah, it was pretty controversial, so I'd like to know really what you guys thought. You're the hardcore fans. You're the people who watch every week with me. I mean, let us I shouldn't say you. I should say we are the hardcore fans. We watch every week. We listen to podcasts. We're, we're in on all of this. So uh, I think we need to uh, talk about what you guys thought of this past season. So email me, diggingoakisland at gmail.com. You can also DM me on Facebook or Twitter. Um, I also put a couple of posts on, the, on both of those pages about this. You can simply comment on there. I can read the comments to you or read the comments that you leave. Whatever works best for you. Okay. Now, I wanted to get this interview in here this week. Now, the logical sense would have been to leave it until after the season eight wrap up, um, you know, and do it as part of the summer thing. But the article that Dylan Taylor Lehman wrote was published in the issue that you can actually go and buy right now on the newsstands. So I wanted to kind of get it in as it was timely. I know many of you have already read the article. It was available on Apple News for a while there. I don't think it is any longer. Um, but if you haven't yet, it might be a good idea to read it first before listening. Uh, but if not, I think this really gives us uh, um, a lot to think and talk about this interview, regardless of the article itself. And this week's or this month's issue of Popular Mechanics is about a lot of mysteries and things like that. So if you're an Oak Island fan, it really is a great, uh, a great issue, a, a great addition for, your, uh, for you to read here. It's a great summer reading. So without further ado, let's take a short break here. And when we come back... You'll hear my interview with Dylan Taylor Lehman. Joining me now is the author of a brand new article in Popular Mechanics of All Places on Oak Island. And I'll get to the reason why I say that in just a second. Uh, the writer's name is Dylan Taylor Lehman. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, yeah, always happy to talk about interesting stuff. Now, the, my first question for you is going to allude to what I just said there, which is um, popular mechanics. You know, when you think of Oak Island, um, you think of being in m magazines about the paranormal or the histories, mysteries, or things along that effect, along those lines. Uh, that doesn't seem to be popular mechanics' little patch of grass. So I'm wondering how not only you – got 
involved in doing this or got motivated to do an article about Oak Island. But, uh, you know, what was popular mechanics thinking by doing the same thing? You know what I mean? It just it's it's uh, it it just seems like uh, a a little different for them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I was a little surprised as well. But then, you know, I realized it made sense when you think about all the engineering techniques that have been uh, applied to trying to get to the bottom of this mystery and all the history of the various digs and things like that. You know, they wanted to emphasize some of the engineering aspects of this whole story, but they've also done a number of stories about, you know, the truth behind area 51 or flying saucer, uh, sightings and things like that. So I think that, you know, within that, um, like you said, maybe more paranormal context, there are some interesting, uh, engineering and science aspects that might be of interest to readers. Um, but yeah, I was actually approached to write this article, uh, by one of the editors because I've written a number of stories, uh, on everything from from micronations to Bigfoot conventions and things like that. So that felt like this was right up my alley. And I was definitely happy to dive into this because although I'd listened to a pretty lengthy podcast a few weeks before, I was uh, and, and kind of generally aware of the Oak Island story. This was a very cool and, and fascinating uh, thing to be able to dive into. So, yeah, I was happy to take the assignment. Yeah. So So tell me a little bit more about what like – before you started doing the assignment, what was your, I don't know about what the right word is, but what was sort of in your mind about Oak Island? What did Oak Island mean to you? Were you aware of it? Um, you know, did you watch the show at all? Did you, I mean, because people come at it from so many different angles. How, what was your thought before you got into really researching and writing? Yeah, I mean, I was... I guess peripherally aware of the story and the TV show. Um, I wasn't very, you know, especially knowledgeable at all about it, really. Uh, fortunately, I did. There's a podcast, Astonishing Legends. I don't know if you've yes heard that, but it's a yep. uh, yeah. Okay, so I, I that's the podcast I was referring to earlier. They did a you know like eight hour series or something yes, like they that did. <laughs> on Oak Island. Yeah, so I listened to that um, by chance a few weeks before I got the email to write this article. So that was most of my knowledge, and I think they did a pretty good job. But going through all the different theories and things like that. And so that was kind of my, just the background um, understanding I had of it. And then of course, as I did a little more research, I was able to, um, you know, follow a couple different paths in a little more detail um, and, and things like that and find some things that were, you know, personally interesting to me and then worked with the editor at Popular Mechanics to, um, you know, really highlight aspects of the story that would fit well uh, for their readers. When did you start, working on this uh well they they ended up holding the article a little while to fit with the theme of the issue that it's in which kind of goes through a lot of um mysterious things and conspiracy theories and kind of tries to get to the bottom of those so i probably nice. i would say probably october of last year uh is when i started working on it and then finished it up in a, at around uh, probably in january or so and then like i said they held it just for the th- thematic reasons now, let me ask you this question. You, you know, I, I started reading the article, and, and I have to tell you, um, do, literally dozens and dozens of my listeners sent me links to your article as soon as it popped up on Apple News a couple of weeks back. And um, yeah. when something like that 
occurs in the Oak Island world. You know, it all gets shared around. And, the, you know, and my listeners, I, I like to think that myself and my listeners were not in the true believer category. We may not even be in the skeptic category. So this was really right in their wheelhouse, the way you, way you approach this. Right off the bat, I think in the second paragraph, you write um, ongoing search for the treasure for eight seasons, referring to the show. And then you write with few results. Um, so I feel like as you started into writing this, that, that you were either turned skeptical or were skeptical to walking in the door. Um, I wonder what your mindset was after you started doing your research before you started writing what you thought of what you had learned. Um, yeah. And I mean, this is, uh, you know, as I, (laughs) <laughs> Look more into this story. Um, I was definitely a little intimidated at just how widespread the Oak Island subculture is. So I am aware that I likely stepped on some toes or inadvertently insulted huge amounts of people, which was certainly not my intention. I think just, you know, some of the more fantastical explanations, which while in- incredibly inter- interesting, and I would love if, you know, the arc <laughs> was actually down there, I think just looking at some of the other, I guess, more, you know, the historical explanations, I think that just made a little more sense to me that, you know, seeing how folklore could develop over time or the mechanisms of how stories change and grow and things like that, that really helped, I guess, guide my approach. And then realizing too, that a lot of the foundational aspects of the story, um, seem to have been written in decades after the original pit was found that kind of helped color my perception as well. But I definitely wanted to keep an open mind to some of these possible explanations. And so I was certainly willing to entertain, um, you know, the opinions of various researchers and experts and, and fans that I talked to. So, you know, I certainly didn't, um, set out to rain on anyone's parade. I think just, you know, going through all the information, I just inevitably arrived at um, a little bit more of a skeptical conclusion. I don't think, uh, or at least, at least history based, I should say. Yeah. I I don't think from reading it in my mind that you were, you were writing it as if you were stepping on any, what what it felt like you were doing, just for an example for the readers, I don't want to give it away. I want people to go out and buy the issue and read this, especially since we've, you know, it sounds like there's going to be other things for the general Oak Island uh, type mind frame person like myself in this article Mm -hmm. and this issue. So go out and get this. But, um, you know, for instance, you write about the famed 90 foot stone and you tell the story about what it was and you add things about coconut fiber from not being from around there and all this. But then, you write something to the effect of, um, you know, researchers and treasure hunters dismiss the markings on the stone as being made by the excavator's tools by mistake. And that's mm. something that if we're just looking in to Oak Island from the view of Oak Island fans, that's a detail that almost always gets missed. You know, that it almost always isn't talked about. So I don't I don't know that I agree that you were stepping on toes, but it certainly sounds like you were trying to pull in things that I think for people who just are fans of the Oak Island show are hard to find, you know, other explanations for the parchment, other explanations for the markings on the stone, things like that. You were able to find all those things. And I wonder if as you're going through this, you real I mean, you mentioned it before, how thick and how heavy how much is involved here 
I mean, mm-hmm. it, 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 what a road you put yourself on here. <laughs> well, well I, and I think it kind of helped that I wasn't hugely invested in this story because it did help me, I guess, have an outsider's perspective uh, in approaching this story and things that stuck out to me as particularly important to note, which would be that, you know, this whole controversy around the stone and whether it was even found. And if so, what the markings may have been, right. you know, it kind of reminded me of like, um, you know, I have, I guess, a glancing interest in the JFK assassination. And when you when you look through a lot of the theories as to who pulled the trigger, you know, a lot of those people kind of selectively choose what aspects of the story they want to include to bolster their theory and just ignore some stuff that might contradict it. And so uh, that's kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to lay out some of the major um, aspects of the story while also being clear, like, you know, the stone could have been found, but if it was, here are some of the issues with that part of the story. Now, you said before you have a little background in other paranormal type things, Bigfoot and and stuff like that. You you've been involved in those uh cultures. I don't know how to say this correctly, but um I wonder I see the threads a lot as I'm doing research and things just like you're saying, people selectively looking at pieces of evidence and then fitting only the ones they want into the story and leaving the rest out. I wonder if you see that thread between Oak Island and these other sort of mysteries of the world, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and it's partly probably unintentional. I mean, if you're super invested in something and super interested and you know, really passionate, you're obviously going to, you know, your perception might be a little bit biased sometimes. So I don't think it's necessarily always a deliberate, you know, obfuscation of, of some facts that are out there. I think it's just easy to really get into your, you know, your chosen perspective on something. And so, you know, like I said, I mean, not having a whole lot of familiarity with this, I think that worked in my favor in, giving me a foundation, uh, to look at this, that wasn't really influenced by, um, you know, any other aspect of the story thus far. Um, you write a line here that this is, this is something that a few listeners, if you're talking about stepping on toes, this might be the one line <laughs> in which, yeah. in which the, uh, uh, the, the backs, the, the hair came up on the back of some of these listeners. Um, uh, you write none of the discoveries. This is referring to, the discoveries made by the current team on the on Oak Island. None of these discoveries have solved the mystery, but that might not be the point of urgency. The Lagina brothers own the majority of the tour company that operates on the island, plus a TV show promoting that island. And I'm wondering if that's an accusation. Are you accusing them no. of wrongdoing there? No, I, I and I, I definitely can see why that would might seem like that, but I, what yeah. I was trying to get at there was just like, there, there doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, they can take more time. They can be more invested in their methodology because it's not like they have to be to vacate the island at some point. So that, that works in their favor that they have, that they have this, um, you know, they own part of this company because that just affords them as much time as they would need. So no, by no means am I trying to (laughs) say anything about the show or about them more so just that, that it's great that they have, that they have that so, so they can, you know, research this as thoroughly as, as they'd like. You end up talking a lot about Gordon Fader and Joy Steele's book, 
um, which we've talked about just over and over again here on the podcast. This is the book that um, uh, Oak Island Mystery. I'm looking at her. Oak Island Mystery Solved. Um, it is uh, the one we've talked about where it involves sinkholes and a British operation and all that. And um, I've asked this question of of Mr. Fader, and I'm going to have him on the podcast as well too. But I, I'm and I'm, I'm curious. Anything that you looked at here, when you looked into this, and and you seem to, at the end, kind of lean the way Gordon Fader does, which is this is sort of a combination of maybe something that people didn't know about and, and a natural formation, um, mm-hmm. like a combination of the two. I don't want to speak for you. We get to that in a minute. But before you came to that conclusion, did anything you looked at make you scratch your head and go, wow, that's weird? Why is that? Um, yeah, perhaps initially. I mean – you know, going through just a general overview of the the mystery and all the different aspects of the the flood tunnels and the traps and things like that. I mean, yeah, of course, at, at first that was all very eye opening and very um, like, wow, there is this really compelling mystery here. And then I think, you know, maybe some of that wonder got whittled down a bit as I talked to people. But I think no, I mean definitely I was ha- I was very happy to take this assignment because I knew just how complex this story was and how many cool elements were there, how many mysterious elements. Um but I think yeah, over time just talking to different people that helped me arrived at the conclusions um you know that the article kind of suggests. Yeah, it suggests it. I don't know that it says that you've drawn a complete conclusion. Um, it's, it sort of suggests one, am I getting that wrong or are you, are you, um, sure now that this is a, uh, that the money pit itself is a natural, uh, phenomenon and the rest of this stuff is probably has an explanation, but just that nobody can find the explanation yet. I mean, I'm, you know, I would definitely stop short of offering any sort of definitive conclusion because there's certainly no way I could know that. And that's you know, kind of beyond the scope of what I was able to do. But I think, you know, I am relatively comfortable thinking that based on the geography that sinkholes probably play a bigger factor in this, in creating this mystery than than some um, people may want to admit, I suppose. And, you know, learning the learning that Oak Island was pretty consistently inhabited, um, both by indigenous people and then various, um, you know, various people passing through the area and Europeans and things like that. I mean, it's pretty obvious that, um, a lot of the evidence would probably be inadvertently left by them. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to offer a definitive conclusion by any means. I think just reading through all the stuff I did, it seems like the, the previous inhabitants of the island and its geography almost certainly do have to play at least a you know some role in this whole story for sure. You, uh, it seemed like you and I kind of approached this um, from a very similar angle. Um, I'm not ready to see. I'm not ready to dismiss all the evidence as being um, coincidental or natural as as you are, or even as Mister Fader is. Um, but there are a couple of things that I think you and I really agree on, and I just kind of want to get you to, to talk about it. Um, you write a, a paragraph where you start naming things like 
Uh, the gold chain links from 1849 were some people believe planted there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the inscribed stone wasn't ever recorded, and this is absolutely the case, and it's something people don't understand. Wasn't ever, there's no record of it until the 1860s, and it's conveniently disappeared. It wasn't even mentioned, as you write, in the uh, Oak Island Treasure Company's 1893 prospectus, which is one of the biggest sort of um, written documents from the 1800s about the Oak Island search. Um you know, and the rendering of that stone exists today is from the 1940s, and <laughs> yeah. one, right? And one of the, so one of the things that that it's hard for me as a researcher to get past to get through is that the first 75 years of this, the origin story, so to speak, is so murky. I mean, there's no way. This was, we know it's not, wasn't an uninhabited, abandoned island. We know it wasn't. It was owned by people, you know, and we were pretty sure that Daniel McGinnis didn't go to some island he had never been on before. <laughs> he probably owned property next door. <laughs> I mean, there's, right. There's so many things in the origin story itself that make you go, oh, come on. No. Yeah. That, and I was, I was definitely disappointed to realize that. Yeah, so much of that early history is just completely unverifiable and, you know, kind of penciled in after the fact. So, you know, once I realized that, that definitely really had a a pretty large effect on how I perceived everything going forward, both things that happened early in the history and the subsequent discoveries, because that is just such a it's such a foundational aspect of the story that there isn't any way to verify these early claims. Right. And, you know, so, so much is built on that. And that was, that was fairly disappointing to realize that um, that's the case. And I think a lot of people who are looking back at it now, you know, uh, TV shows are TV shows. And for somebody, you know, for people like you and I, who are trying to cut through the chaff and get to what the, what the reality of some of these things is TV shows, cause a problem i mean they're helpful in that you get to see some things but this tv show in particular has a tendency of you know saying things like there was a 90 foot stone and a booby trap triggered as if they were fact and nobody knows whether or not they were actually fact we're only kind of assuming that they were you interviewed charles barkhouse on this um charles is a true believer Uh, and i and i wonder in your years of going through sort of paranormal things. And I always, I always equate this stuff to Bigfoot because there are so many Bigfoot shows, right? And there's so many people who believe they know that Bigfoot likes bacon or Bigfoot uh, likes to walk backwards up hills or whatever. They, I mean, they're so convinced that they know these things. I wonder when you talk to and you interview about any subject, someone who's a true mm-hmm. believer in an unverified story, um, how you approach that? Like what... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and talking to Charles specifically, uh, you know, he was super happy to share all, you know, his thoughts and stuff. And so it was, you know, I definitely wanted to approach his passion for this with an open mind. I, you know, it's not really my, uh, in my interest to challenge or, you know, ask him probing questions, of course, but not really try to rain on his parade or anything like that. So, you know, I definitely wanted to include his perspective because, it is a counterbalance to some of the more, I guess, you know, science-based skeptics. Um, 
And, you know, his enthusiasm, just as, you know, some of the Bigfoot, um, you know, fans that I've talked to, it is like, it is a catchy enthusiasm. So you can't help but be, you know, a little, um, you know, go along with their enthusiasm on this for sure. Um, You know, is it, do I have my own thoughts on that? Sure. But I mean, if, you know, this is something that they're, really dedicated in and it are dedicated to, and it's, you know, a positive factor in their life Then you know, by all means continue to the work you do and, and trying to, um, you know, find out the aspects that are important to you. So I have to ask this question. Was there ever a treasure? Is there one now, or are you convinced this is all just, uh, part delirium? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Part, yeah, hope, I mean, heart, part hopefulness or just maybe something misunderstood or, you know, that kind of. I, I think it's it's probably a combination of everything. I mean, I think the the promise of the treasure has definitely influenced people's perspectives and reading on history and current discoveries. Uh, and, you know, the fact that this has been going on for, you know, well over 200 years is only going to make that um make that snowball, you know? So I think definitely over time, the story has grown and kind of blown things out of proportion. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, thinking back on the era of pirates and just the nature of who was living in that area at the time. I mean, was there something probably buried on an Island in that area? Yeah, sure. But, you know, is it some sort of secret Masonic, you know, (laughs) uh, you know, key to understanding the universe? Probably not. Um, and you know, is what's, has, what's, has the geography of the area kind of helped to influence the mystery as well? Definitely. So, um, I wouldn't, you know, I would probably be comfortable saying that they're just like any legend, you know, there's certainly some kernel of truth or reality in there, but, um, you know, humans being humans, I think that's probably just, mutated over the years and you know now it's kind of at the point where it is there have been and and you know this apparently as well as i do there have been a million treasure legends um over the years there's been a million (laughs) i mean this, this goes on and on and on but this one has lasted 225 years going on it's 226th i wonder why you think that might be Well, I mean, the thing that, and it's, you know, the thing that was so compelling to me uh, when I first started hearing about this was this notion of a 90 foot hole with these different levels of wood um, flooring, you know, just that, that whole, what seemed to be a very carefully built uh, hole in the ground with these flood tunnels, you know, just the mechanisms of that uh, were really compelling to me. And, And so I think if you, um, you know, study that sort of stuff without realizing how that might have been misinterpreted or how that may be natural phenomenon or whatever, you know, it can be very easy to just, um, buy into this, this notion that there's this really unusually deep <laughs> hole in the ground with with del- seemingly deliberately constructed layers to it. So I think that in and of itself is a pretty like, um, pretty appealing idea. And then, 
you know, over the years when you are able to use uh, some factual basis to make the claim that there were a ton ton of masons on, on the island, for example, or, um, you know, there were various pirates or whatever this, whatever kind of your chosen explanation is, you know, it is easy to, to link that kind of stuff to this whole mystery. So I think, you know, again, just, you know, if you're really caught up in this whole story, it can be very, very easy to to adhere to your story, you know, kind of at the exclusion of, of maybe some other explanations. <laughs> and, you know, I think when you have all these, you know, these multitude of different explanations to it, that just, you know, makes the story grow exponentially when you can attribute it to all these different groups over the years. Whenever I, and, or in and everything like that too, of course. Whenever I start going down the skeptical road on a podcast and I start talking about, you know, some of these things and start questioning the authenticity of this, that, or the other thing, the question I always, the, the answer I get back from, from true believers, and there are many listening, and I respect them for it because, you know, I, I say all the time, I don't know the truth here. Um, I can only, I can only make an educated guess and how educated could I possibly be? But I, uh, <laughs> The, the 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 blowback I get is always this: in order for you, for in order for me to think that this is not uh, some sort of man-made mystery, I have to dismiss, just like you were saying there, I have to dismiss the coconut fiber being planted. I have to dismiss the levels of wood. I have to dismiss the uh, the flood tunnels as being something else. I have to, and it, they go on and on and on. I have to say that this person was lying about this thing they found. And that person was lying about this drill bit that they pulled up. And this guy was lying mm-hmm. about seeing a hand floating by. And, and this guy was lying, you know, I have to do all that. There's a point in there, right? I mean, there, there, there's, uh, <laughs> I don't think that answers that makes me say, okay, there's a treasure here. You're right. But there is some point to that. There, it does mean that there is 200 years worth of really not telling the truth. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose so. But I think that when you look back and realize that this idea of flood tunnels or the different layers of wood in the pit is essentially unverifiable or at least has some very, very plausible other explanations, you know, the weight of that uh, evidence is diminished a little bit. Um, Not to mention when you, you know, when you looked at, like we talked earlier, the 1893 prospectus and what was and was not included in that and previous documents related to the, to the hunt and the fact that this hand floating by wasn't recorded and things like that. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, well, and you also have to factor in human nature. It's like if you're so invested in finding this treasure, of course you're going to, um, you know, at the most innocent, maybe misinterpret some things and and highlight that as a major discovery. Or, you know, if you really, you know, are getting a little malicious, you know, you might plant some links of chains or something else that um, really lends credence to your perspective. So I think that, yeah, I mean, you do have to dismiss 200 years of history and hunting, but that also isn't really that hard to do when you, when you kind of, when you look at how this history is actually played out. So, I mean, I think there's like, there's two things that come into play in this, right? There's one, there's that forever hopeful person who believes in something that other people don't believe in. And they're trying to convince someone of that. So that tends to skew their thought pattern, sure. but right. But also the idea of for many, many years, 
people benefited monetarily by making this sound like a mystery. There were people who were the, right. these were guys looking for investment, right? I mean, that's the first thing that I saw when I started looking at this stuff. Yeah, and I mean, you know, when you like that's why I spoke with a folklorist, Dr. Christina Downs for this story because you know, this from an outside perspective, this the Oak Island story has all the hallmarks of many, you know, almost every legend like this, you know, the kind of exaggeration over time and just the whole mechanisms for how the story has developed can be, you know, is very similar to many other myths and legends that we know, or at least most people would consider to be myths and legends. So, um, you know, for that reason too, it's, it's, um, you know, I'm a little comfortable in my belief that much of this has probably been exaggerated or yeah. fabricated even over, over the years. I'm going to give you uh, one last question for you before I let you go. Um, sure. you, you wrote in here that Oak Island is sometimes called hoax Island. I'm curious where you heard that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm, where did I say, you know, that, I can't think of that off the top of my head, but I think in just, you know, exploring the diff- many different um, understandings of what was going on that that ca- that popped up a couple of times. You were so looking like, at old uh, like old newspaper articles and all things like that to do this. I mean, what was your what was your research sort of method here for this? How did you uh, how did how, what, what did you look at? I mean, it looks like you looked at the prospectus and things like that. But were you looking at old uh, historical articles about it and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I tried to get a pretty you know, wide variety of sources. So definitely, you know, all the documents associated with the various searches, news, contemporaneous newspaper articles, the various uh, long form articles that have been published in the 20th century. uh, And then, you know, on the more obscure end, kind of getting into the different, um, you know, each theorist's um, respective, you know, respective beliefs. So yeah, you know, I try to get a pretty pretty wide variety of, of opinions and approaches on this as to not, you know, exclude one that might be a little more legitimate than I was realizing, but also, you know, to make sure that uh, everything was balanced out um, well enough as well. Now I always ask these two things and I'll edit them out if there's, if it's not need, but I wanted to ask you before I let you go, is there anything um, uh, that I'm, that you feel I missed that you'd like to talk about, about it? Um, and is there any, should we talk about, uh, you know, plugs or do you have anything you want to plug or anything like that? No, I mean, I, I guess I did want to emphasize that, you know, I'm not out to get anybody or call out the show or anybody who's really invested in this, because I think there is, you know, definitely some grains of truth in there. Um, and, you know, certainly the interest in doing this has uncovered probably tons of history that would have gone forgotten and things like that. So nothing but, you know, all power to everyone who's, um, you know, devoting themselves to this. I think it's definitely a really cool story and it would be super cool if, um, you know, some fantastical treasure was discovered. So I do hope that that happens someday, um, even though I'm a little bit skeptical that that might be the case. So yeah, this was definitely not, um, you know, written to, um, step on anyone's toes by any means. Very well said. And and uh, anywhere people can find you, any kind of uh, <laughs> anything to plug, go have at yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, my uh, collection of my other writings is at my website, which is theyawningchasm.com. 
So feel free to check that out. Um, and let's see, I'm on Instagram at Shakespeare underscore sucks and (laughs) (laughs) tongue in cheek as well. So no, uh, you know, don't hope Shakespeare. Well, speaking of Shakespeare, actually, yeah, (laughs) that'd be cool. Shakespeare's works were found down there as well, but that's just kind of a little bit tongue in cheek. And then finally, um, my most recent book might be of interest to some of your listeners as well. It's about the principality of Sealand, which is said to be the world's smallest independent nation. And it's based on what was a former uh, fort in World War II off the coast of England. And they've had, you know, over five decades of adventures and battles and stuff uh, in defense of their homeland, this uh, tiny <laughs> fort in the middle of the ocean. So if if that's up your alley, uh, my book is called Sealand uh, and that's available right now. And they could go any- to... To, could they go to your website and see all that stuff? Yeah, there are links to it there. But I mean, you know, right. any any retailer, um, you should be able to buy the book there for sure. Sir, thank you very, very much for doing this. I really appreciate yeah. you taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is real, a lot of fun to write and a lot of fun to talk about. So thanks for having me on. And don't forget, folks, pick up the latest issue of Popular Mechanics to read this. There's also some great... Um, uh, what we call like diagrams and some great pictures and stuff in, in in this article as well. It really is laid out nicely and it looks beautiful. And uh, I mean, I I love the way I honestly I love the way you came at this. I love the way you approached this. I I, I think this was a uh, a breath of fresh air to see to finally read something that kind of takes all these different perspectives and shows how each and everything can be questioned and talked about. Um, and that there's a if you think there is a treasure out there, there's a lot more work to do in order to prove that. (laughs) Well, yeah, I appreciate the kind words. Thank you very much. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Diggin' Oak Island podcast. Another uh, shameless plug time here. Uh, I produce another show. It's called Sit Downs and Sessions. Me and my friend radio host Chris Poe sit down you know, over a pint or two, we talk about pubs and politics a little bit, a lot of paranormal stuff, music, basically anything, uh, you know, two guys talk about while sitting at a bar. Uh, we're going to really get into the pub culture and stuff as we get going, some breweries, distilleries, that kind of thing. So if that's your thing, give us a listen. You can find Sit Downs and Sessions in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or all, you know any of the usual podcast places. Also, if you're listening to and enjoying the Diggin' Oak Island podcast, I ask you to please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your shows. Uh, A big thank you to everyone who's done that already, who's left us a five-star rating. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Thank you for doing that, you know, and thank you so much for the kind words about the show. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Just go to at Diggin' Oak Island in your search bar. And again, if you have any questions or comments you want to send directly to me, you can do so via email diggingoakisland at gmail.com right now what I'm looking for is your thoughts on season 8 of the Curse of Oak Island and your thoughts on what you'd like to see in season 9 keep in mind if you do send me an email or a direct message on social media uh, I may just answer it here on the podcast so if for some reason you don't want your message read to the podcast listening audience just please make a note of that for me so until we speak again I'm Dave McBride thank you for listening to Digging Oak Island